I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. Jump around. Jump around. Jump up. Jump up. Now get down. It's high noon for Friday, October 29th, 2021. Follow the podcast on the Telegram Messenger app at t.me slash I'm your moderator or join the discussion thread at t.me slash I'm reasonable. You can also find me on Gab and Getter at I'm your moderator. The Substack is I'm your moderator.substack.com and the merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. Today is the 282nd day of Barack Obama's third term as served by the half-dead, demented, degenerate, ventriloquist dummy, fake proxy president Joe Biden, who is overwhelmingly compromised by the Chinese Communist Party, the patriarch of one of the most corrupt families in American history, and the father of one of the most despicable sons to ever walk the earth. That's Hunter Biden. So congratulations, commies. You've gone from I'm voting for Joe Biden because I'm a good person to... I voted for Joe Biden. What if people realize I'm not a good person? And that's not a great place to be, commies. It really, really isn't. Joe Biden spent the morning with the demon Pope, Pope Francis, one of the key players in global communism. And Joe greeted him and told him, apparently, that he is a uh, famous African-American baseball player here in the United States. And if he is, that's amazing. I don't know where he finds the time. So Biden went there after heading down to Congress yesterday to give some support behind passing the multi-trillion dollar communism package that still has not passed. And he's in Europe to see the Pope and to go to something that they're calling COP26, which sounds like a communist Coachella for people who are pretending to save the planet by making everyone poor. But Joe, of course, has absolutely nothing to show for it. He is arriving empty handed because it turns out that Americans don't really like communism and Joe Biden has not convinced anyone to be on his side in this process. He basically has the 21% of Americans who answer that they strongly approve of what Joe Biden's doing. New Rasmussen numbers came out today. That's it. He has a 21% strong approval, according to Rasmussen, and a 48% strongly disapprove. That's negative 27%. Half the country hates Joe Biden. One fifth of the country pretends to love Joe Biden. 
And they don't actually strongly approve of Joe Biden because no one, no one can be that stupid. But it's entirely easy to believe that that many people can be liars. We know they are liars. Agreeing to lie about certain topics like this topic is part of a membership in the party of false decorum. You have to agree to lie about certain things. You agree to lie about masks. You lie about vaccines. You lie about lockdowns. You lie about the election and you lie about your belief that Joe Biden can actually do the job of president. You cannot say the other thing because the other thing might cost you social capital and might cause you to get kicked out of the party of false decorum. So there are people who care more about maintaining their membership in a party of liars than they do about looking intelligent or informed. They are happy to signal their stupidity to the world and tell the world that they believe Joe Biden is doing a great job because they are afraid of the cost that might come their way if they admit the truth that Joe Biden is a pathetic shell of a man and was a fairly pathetic man before he was a shell of his former self. They refuse to say that because they do not want to be associated with us, which is just fine. Okay. I'm not really trying to associate with a bunch of communist liars. That's kind of redundant. I understand. But if they don't like us, that's all good. They don't want to be associated with us. That's just fine. There's going to come a moment where the associations that they have chosen will no longer pay off for them at all. And that moment is fast arriving. But that's all he has left. According to Rasmussen, 21%. It's probably lower than that. We talked about the reasons why yesterday. But that number is not ever going up. That's now Joe Biden's upper threshold, 21%. That's how many people he can expect to go out into the world and repeat his slogans. It is a disaster. Joe Biden should call this the dog ate my homework tour. He has nothing to show to the global communists. He cannot go there and say, yes, the United States is on board because no matter how many mandates he puts into place, no matter how many illegal aliens he lets into the country, and no matter how many elections he steals around the country, the American people will not ever go along with this. All right. If he had a chance at the very beginning, when there were still a bunch of rock dumb communists who had not woken up, the people who actually did vote for him, which was probably around, I don't know, 35 or 40 percent of the country, if he had a chance with them at all, then. He has already blown that chance. Joe Biden has zero political capital. In fact, he probably has negative political capital. As soon as he is for something, the country will be against it because everything he does is the worst possible thing and it yields the worst possible outcome because he is completely incompetent. So I want to briefly Follow up on a couple of things from yesterday. The first is this in just the news. 
And this is John Solomon. Narrative of a perfect 2020 election eroding as Wisconsin becomes investigative ground zero. Cognitively impaired nursing home residents in Wisconsin and Michigan cynically exploited for votes. Election mismanagement in Atlanta. Unlawful election instructions in Wisconsin. And 50,000 questionable ballots in Arizona, plus several criminal cases for illegal ballot harvesting and inmate voting. 11 months after Donald Trump was ousted from office, the narrative that the 2020 election was clean and secure has frayed like a well-worn shoelace. The challenges of the COVID pandemic, the aggressive new tactics of voting activists, and the desire of Democrats to make the collection and delivery of ballots by third parties legal in states where harvesting is expressly forbidden has muddied the establishment portrait and awakened the nation to the painful reality its election system particularly in big urban areas, is far from perfection. Nowhere has that story become more clear than the battleground state of Wisconsin, where a local sheriff Thursday dramatically held a nationally televised news conference, alleging he had found evidence of felony crimes involving ballots sent to nursing home residents. Racing County Sheriff Christopher Schmalling said his investigators have secured evidence that eight out of 42 residents at a local nursing home had been recorded as casting absentee ballots that their families said were not possible because the residents didn't possess the cognitive ability to vote. The probe was prompted by one family who discovered their loved one had voted in the November 2020 election despite having died a month earlier after a long period of mental decline, authorities said. Schmalling dramatically accused the Wisconsin Elections Commission, the state's election bureaucracy, of creating the conditions for such voting by mailing absentee ballots to nursing home residents who didn't request them and empowering nursing home staff to fill out ballots on behalf of the residents. The, quote, election statute was, in fact, not just broken, but shattered, he said. The nursing home scheme alleged by Schmalling was also found in neighboring Michigan, where Democratic Attorney General Dana Nessel earlier this month announced three women were charged with voting fraud, including one who fraudulently filled out ballots in the name in the names of nursing home residents without their permission. And that is one of those cover your ass indictments. Obviously, Dana Nessel is not concerned with pursuing election fraud or else she would just go after herself and Jocelyn Benson. But the nursing home case is far from the only concern that has rocked Wisconsin, where Joe Biden was certified the winner over Trump with a razor thin margin of about 20,000 votes. The nonpartisan Legislative Audit Bureau released a sweeping report last month that accused election officials of engaging in inconsistent administration of election laws, troublesome management of new drop boxes used to collect ballots during the pandemic ineffective investigation of fraud complaints and other problems. While it did not offer evidence of systemic fraud, it flagged more than 30 problems, as well as many more issues that lawmakers should resolve for future elections. You can read that report here and they have it linked. The report prompted GOP leader of the Wisconsin Senate to launch an investigation into the November election, augmenting a separate probe already authorized by the Wisconsin Assembly that is being led by former state Supreme Court Justice Michael Gableman. And those developments follow a ruling by the Wisconsin Supreme Court that concluded state election officials wrongly allowed tens of thousands of Wisconsin voters to skip voter ID requirements and file absentee ballots by declaring their concerns about covid made them, quote, indefinitely confined. 
While the court ruled the advice was illegal, it noted there was no penalty and said it was up to voters to decide if they had an infirmity or disability that made them confined. Lawmakers are now looking to change the weaknesses in that law. Senator Ron Johnson, the former chairman of the Senate Homeland Security Committee, which oversees elections, said the dizzying revelations coming from his own state were a clear sign that lawmakers have far more work ahead of them to improve election administration and ensure voters are treated more evenly. Following the lab report, that's the Legislative Audit Bureau, what Sheriff Schmalling has uncovered and disclosed might only be the tip of the iceberg of fraud in the 2020 election, Johnson tweeted. The legislature must be given the time, resources, and cooperation of election officials to conduct a complete investigation of allegations. Now, would have been great if Ron Johnson stayed on this for the last year. And maybe he has behind the scenes somewhere. I, by and large, really like Ron Johnson. But he's known about this stuff for a long time. Similarly, State officials in Georgia, where Trump lost by a slim margin, have found evidence that its major urban voting center of Fulton County had significant problems administering the November election, so much so that state officials have begun the process of taking the county's election management into receivership, removing local control for the 2022 election and beyond. That dramatic move came after Just the News unearthed a 29-page memo from a state observer that found officials in Fulton County engaged in all sorts of misconduct and mistakes, including insecure transport of ballots, double scanning of ballots, and possible invasions of voter privacy. And earlier this month, two Fulton County workers were fired for allegedly shredding ballot applications in violation of state law. Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger even asked the U.S. Justice Department to assist in the investigation. And remember, Brad Raffensperger is a rhino, like a legitimate rhino, a person who was brought into office by calling himself a Republican with the help of a PR firm in Georgia who does that. They find Democrat communists and run them as Republicans so that when Republican voters say, man, both these candidates are awful, they will still nonetheless go in and choose the Republican candidate and without knowing, put a Democrat communist in office. So that's Brad Raffensperger. And if Brad Raffensperger is asking the fake president's illegitimate justice department for help, you know that that help is going to work toward the cover-up of what happened in Georgia in 2020 and in the runoff election on January 5th, 2021. And in nearby DeKalb County, Raffensperger has initiated a separate probe into whether ballots cast in drop boxes were properly handled and logged. Now, the drop boxes, as we know, that's Zuckerberg, Center for Tech and Civic Life, Zuckerberg, uh, half a billion dollars in on this election to steal the election, to buy election judges, to buy ballot harvesters, to buy drop boxes, the whole thing. He had his people in the voting process, like Michael Spitzer Rubenstein in Wisconsin. And it is odd, isn't it, that Raffensperger can say still, that the 2020 election was the most secure in history, and he knows there were no problems in Georgia, even though there are way more illegal votes than the margin of victory for Joe Biden. But he's taking one county's voting apparatus away from them and putting them under receivership 
And now he's worried about the drop boxes in DeKalb County. Yeah, Brad, there's no way that could have changed the outcome. Meanwhile, the fallout from the Arizona Senate's audit continues to be felt as more than 50,000 ballots have been called into question and several matters referred to Attorney General Mark Burnovich for possible prosecution. Even before those referrals, Burnovich's office has brought several criminal prosecutions, including prison inmates who illegally voted, as well as some people accused of harvesting ballots from third parties. Man, how could prison inmates illegally vote? Isn't that incredible? So they would have to get a ballot, even though they weren't allowed to vote, and they would have to get it in the prison. Man, what could that be? The harvesting cases in Arizona, as well as the nursing home cases in the Midwest, are opening up a new line of inquiry that could drive the election integrity debate well into 2022. The emerging question, is it possible that residents legally allowed to vote had their votes illegally gathered and delivered by third parties? It's a question several state officials told Just the News they have begun investigating, meaning the term ballot harvesting may become more familiar to Americans in the weeks and months ahead. And let's keep in mind, H.R. 1, right? The For the People Act, and now they are calling it something different. I think the New Voting Rights Act or something ridiculous. That legislation puts ballot harvesting in as law across the nation. That's what it attempts to do. I mean, it's obviously unconstitutional. They were trying to get it passed so that it could be pretend law until it gets knocked down by the courts. They were just hoping that it would be legal long enough to steal more elections and then kind of just do what they've done before and say, well, you know, that's in the past. There's nothing we can do about it now. Meanwhile, the news media and state officials may have to grapple with a more difficult reality. It doesn't require widespread fraud for Americans to lose faith in the election system. Mismanagement, uneven application of the laws and plain old carelessness can sow deep distrust. Yes. Now, again, John Solomon is a very like middle of the road reporter. I have no doubt that he is uh, a conservative on some level and he's a great man. I'm not citing him at all, but this is very down the middle reporting. I believe he's underplaying how damaging this stuff is ultimately. Again, you look at the numbers of people who want the election overturned or understand that cheating affected the outcome of the election. That number is only growing. It is already over half the country in terms of the people that know cheating happened. They're going to see these stories, okay? If you know that cheating has happened, that means you have an alternate information source besides the mainstream media, besides Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, okay? Besides the news aggregators like Apple News that just throw you headlines and form a narrative in your brain all day. That means these people have moved outside of that, okay? Because those sources are not giving them the story on election integrity. They're not giving them the story on election fraud. And once you get outside of the central narrative, you begin to discover that it's not that we have just a little bit of information on our side, right? We have cascading information on our side every day. They're like drinking out of a drinking fountain where the water is barely like bubbling out and we are like Niagara Falls. That's that's the difference in terms of the power of alternative media 
against the central narrative because the central narrative isn't true, right? I talked about this yesterday. It is really, really hard to convince people on an informational level that something untrue is true. You can do it on an emotional level, especially if you set your narrative first. Your narrative is powerful. It is attractive to the person. It coincides with things they believe. And then on the other side, there is some sort of shame or punishment for going against that narrative. If the central narrative grabs you first, it gets its hooks into you. It's very hard to get out of that. But if they don't take that advantage, that emotional push right at the beginning, if that doesn't work, that person is never going to go and believe the central narrative. Okay. You can't see the amount of information we have and then go the other direction and check out their side of things and think, oh yeah, man, all that other stuff was just nonsense. That's not how it works. All right. No one's brain works that way. They are incentivized to believe the central narrative. When they discover the central narrative isn't true, they're going to realize the entire thing isn't true. And I, you know, I speak for myself, but I think that I also speak for other people that I've interacted with over the last year and a half who have woken up to the truth about these things. And I imagine that many, if not most of you probably have the same experience. You remember the same experience when you realized the central narrative was wrong. You shifted immediately away from it. And by the way, I don't know how I forgot to do this, but if you have realized that the central narrative is wrong, then migrate back to America. You see, the thing is, commies, we still want you over here so long as you make amends with everyone you have shamed and bullied and censored and tried to get fired from their jobs. All right. You make amends with those people. You leave all the stupid and evil communist ideas behind, and then you just migrate back to America. And with that, I'm sorry that I was remiss, but I would still love to extend a warm Friday high noon welcome to all of the redeemable communists out there. Hello, commies. You thought I forgot about you, but I didn't. I mean, I did for a while. But I would never forget about you permanently. Because honestly, Redeemable Communists, this show is all for you if you haven't learned that, right? But I'm not here trying to like just send you links to articles. That's how you guys argue. You think, well, if I send this person 20 links to an article and they only send me back one, man, I'm going to win that argument. Well, yeah, commies, that probably does make sense if you have a child-sized brain. If you have a full adult-sized brain, you will understand that saying the same thing 20 times and it not making sense any of those times and it not mapping onto reality any of those times, well, that's not a very convincing case. And the other thing is, it doesn't show that you personally know what you're talking about at all, right? If somebody disagrees with me, I am happy to sit down there with them and have a conversation and they can tell me all the ways that they disagree with me and we can talk about it. And maybe they'll teach me a new thing. And if they do teach me a new thing and I'm like, wow, that's something I haven't heard before. I'm going to have to look, the, look into that. Well, I'll go look into it. And if they're right, well, I might just change my mind. But you can't do that by sending me tons of articles. The majority of which I've already read in one form or another 
because the mainstream media just keeps repeating the same things over and over again. And I talked about that for a second yesterday, but I actually want to update that portion too. Told you, going to jump around. CNN yesterday had that headline about how Pelosi told Democrats that she doesn't want them to embarrass the fake president. She wanted everybody to just pass his plan because it would hurt the president on the world stage if they didn't. Well, they didn't. CNN changed that headline. It really is remarkable. They didn't like that headline. People on Twitter, maybe other people in the media, they got a case of the mads and the sads because the headline made the entire global communist community look like a bunch of pathetic little weaklings. And the whole point of the mainstream media existing is to convince the country that the bunch of pathetic little weaklings is in fact not a bunch of pathetic little weaklings. So they didn't do their job. CNN was forced to change their headline. They went from Pelosi warns Democrats not to embarrass Biden as leaders push for infrastructure vote to House Democrats again delay infrastructure vote amid party divisions. And I just want to reemphasize how incredible it is that they will put 12 reporters bylines on one article like this. They are simply recycling past reporting and putting it into one thing. They're just taking little chunks of things that those writers have produced before and putting them all together and acting like it's brand new information. It is just a reinforcement mechanism over and over and over and over and over again, repeating all the slogans throughout the article so that anyone who reads all the way through will have all of that reinforced in their minds, that it's all true because they're saying it again. Oh, I've read this before. Here it is again. Must be true. Now, one glorious development in the same media sphere over the last two days has been the reaction to Tucker Carlson's trailer for the upcoming docuseries that he has starting on Monday. I think it's called The Patriot Purge. The media is in full-on meltdown. There is an almost unbelievable quote from this clownish outlet called The Palmer Report. They're basically just the most extreme idiot communists on the entire internet. They tweeted last night, Tucker Carlson's Patriot Purge is way beyond the bounds of free speech. It's a direct call for domestic terrorism. He should go to prison for it. Anyone still working for Fox News after this is aiding and abetting terrorism. You're either with America or you're with Fox News. They sound like Keith Olbermann. I actually wonder if the Palmer Report is all of Keith Olbermann's monologues that he doesn't have time to record out on his Central Park balcony on the days his wet nurse doesn't show up with a sedative. But anyway, Tucker put out his trailer and here are some of the media headlines in response. Tucker Carlson made a movie to prove he's not a white nationalist. That's the Washington Post. Vanity Fair says Tucker Carlson goes full one six truther in new Fox doc. Tucker's former colleague, At Fox News, Gretchen Carlson tweeted out, 
Tucker Carlson's new three-part series, Patriot Purge, claims the January 6th riot was a false flag and that liberals are waging some kind of insidious domestic war against the right wing. I wish I could say I'm surprised Fox News is enabling this batshit craziness. Gretchen Carlson must be sitting back with her nice money that she got from Roger Ailes, just coming into her full party of false decorum glory now. I wonder how much she's paid to say things like this. And then Liz Cheney, of course, went absolutely ballistic because no one is more screwed than Liz Cheney when the one six story falls completely apart in the eyes of the public. She tweeted, it appears that Fox News is giving Tucker Carlson a platform to spread the same type of lies that provoked violence on January 6th. As Fox News knows, the election wasn't stolen and January 6th was not a false flag operation. And I suppose if she keeps saying it enough times, it might become true. I mean, surely her January 6th commission must be finding damning evidence and they're just simply holding it back. They're not leaking it out. All this new information they've gleaned over the last, what is it? Three months, four months of this nonsense commission. And they've got nothing. It is impossible to add facts on to a false story. All right. Any facts that emerge about January 6th will work to take their narrative down. That is why they are so horrified of Tucker Carlson's documentary. They thought they were going to exist in their normal state media echo chamber and no one would be able to challenge their narrative. Well, game over for that, I suppose. Darren Beatty knows more about the one six story, about the truth of that story than probably anyone in this country who wasn't involved in setting it up like Nancy Pelosi and Liz Cheney and people on that side of things and the people who were watching this happen from Donald Trump's side of things. Darren Beatty is, as far as reporters go, number one on this subject. And you know he's so good because the best thing CNN could say to try to discredit Darren Beatty last night, Anderson Cooper implied, well, not implied, said that Darren Beatty was at some sort of conference with known white nationalists, according to CNN's K files. And that's another clever trick for people like Anderson Cooper. He's not saying it. The K file reported it. And now Anderson Cooper is just letting you know that someone else reported it. But nothing beats the reaction from the Anti-Defamation League, which is now just another communist organization. This is a letter to Lachlan Murdoch. That's Rupert's son, who's the uh, chairman and CEO of Fox Corporation. I write once again to express deep alarm about the dangerous misinformation that Fox News continues to allow Tucker Carlson to express on your network and its platforms, this time in the form of a documentary about the insurrection on January 6th. In a trailer for Patriot Purge, which apparently is set to air on the Fox Nation streaming platform on November 1st. Hey, that's my birthday. What a present. Carlson and the laundry list of disinformation artists interviewed for the piece suggests that January 6th assault on the U.S. Capitol was somehow a false flag and that the left is hunting the right, sticking them in Guantanamo Bay, leaving them there to rot. And it is actually true, ADL, that political prisoners are being held in prison 
in terrible conditions for crimes they didn't commit and haven't been charged with. That's kind of what he's talking about. Let's call this what it is, an abject, indisputable lie and a blatant attempt to rewrite history. As an organization committed to fighting anti-Semitism and all forms of hate, we were we remain deeply concerned that the false narrative and wild conspiracy theories presented by Carlson will sow further division and has the potential to animate violence. Now, keep in mind, none of these people have seen any of the documentary. They have only seen the trailer and the trailer says three things the whole time, really. And of course, they are most angry about the implication that one six was a false flag. And it obviously was a false flag. And for people who haven't thought a lot about that term, saying something is a false flag does not mean that the event didn't happen or that the entirety of it was staged. It means that it was exploited as part of a narrative that misrepresents the actual substance of the event. And that is 100% accurate when discussing the very violent insurrection on January 6th. As an organization that monitors hate groups, our team at ADL has seen that Carlson's embrace and amplification of white supremacist talking points galvanizes extremists and mobilizes their movements. We know this because we have been at the forefront of tracking extremism for decades. We have seen over and over again the consequences of such unhinged conspiratorial rhetoric from Pittsburgh to Poe to El Paso. These heinous acts of violence were spurred in part by many of the same false grievances Carlson espouses each and every night, except for the fact that that's not true at all. By airing this so-called documentary laden with imagery of Americans being waterboarded and talk of helicopters leaving Afghanistan and now landing here at home, you are giving license to yet another conspiracy theory that January 6th was an inside job with the intention of rounding up and imprisoning conservatives. And I love that they are using the so-called trick. Like if you don't like the documentary, say you don't like the documentary. It doesn't somehow change the documentary into something that isn't real. It's a real documentary. Just like when Michael Moore releases Fahrenheit 9-11 or any of his other crap movies, those are documentaries too. They're very bad documentaries and they're very biased documentaries, but they're still documentaries. So-called documentary, so-called audit. Hey, ADL, how about so-called very violent insurrection? As the head of a well-established news organization, I have to ask, where is the line for you and Fox? How many more people need to die? Or how many individuals must subscribe to groundless conspiracies before you say enough is enough? Inflammatory rhetoric of this sort is neither legitimate political discourse nor spirited debate. It is dangerous rhetoric that could catalyze violence, whether directed at the Jewish community or other minority groups. Well, did you just admit that the Democrat communists are a minority group, dude? Because the only people that anyone is mad at are the communists. I thought you guys had 81 million real legal American votes. Aren't you guys the majority? (laughs) 
Clearly, Carlson has the right to make outrageous claims, but freedom of speech is not freedom of reach. Ho, 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 ho! Look at this guy! What a big brain on Jonathan Greenblatt! Wow. What a clever guy. You have no obligation to validate his views with airtime on your platform and, I would argue, a moral responsibility not to do so. I know that you and your family have a long history with ADL. Drawing upon that relationship, I strongly urge you to reconsider airing this program. It has the potential to fuel misdirected anger and unrest, let alone harm toward our public officials and elected leaders, precisely at a time when our nation needs to start to heal. I'm available at any time to discuss this matter further and look forward to your timely response. P.S. If you don't respond, we will try to destroy you. Romantically yours, Jonathan Greenblatt. Ah, he just said sincerely. But it's kind of a love letter, right? That's totally a love note if you're in a completely abusive relationship. So everyone is very mad at Tucker Carlson. And they're going to say, obviously, that the story he's about to tell, though they don't know the story at all, is somehow white supremacy. Now, that was their tactic in the days following January 6th, right? They showed us how it was white privilege to stand on the steps of Congress and that people who were trying to halt the approval of electors following a fraudulent election are somehow white supremacists. And we are told that this is the greatest attack on America since the Civil War. And why would they pick the Civil War? Oh, yeah, because they're trying to pretend that Democrats weren't the slave owners. Democrats weren't the KKK. Democrats weren't the party of Jim Crow. Anytime you stop Democrats from doing what they want to do, it is white supremacy. Now, let's also recall that on the board of the fiscal sponsor of Black Lives Matter, a group called Thousand Currents, sits a lady named Susan Rosenberg. Susan Rosenberg was part of the May 19th communist organization who bombed the U.S. Capitol. She was in federal prison for 16 years until Bill Clinton pardoned her on his last day in office. Isn't it amazing how that works? Bill Clinton palling around with terrorists, just letting them go free. Did they attack the U.S. Capitol? Yes. Should they be free anyway? I guess also yes. And then in about 20, 25 years, let's put them in charge of the money laundering that we will use a fake pro-black communist organization to facilitate. Don't call it a comeback. These people are absolutely horrified. They have spent now nearly 10 months trying to hammer this narrative into the heads of every American. That was a domestic terrorist attack. These people are all domestic terrorists. The very violent insurrection was all due to the big lie So anyone that talks about election fraud is a big liar, hence a domestic terrorist, hence a violent person who might once again attack the seat of the U.S. government. 
And they always say, and we know that the big lie is what caused this violence. And so that implies that if you keep telling the big lie, there will be more violence, even though there have been zero instances of violence from Trump supporters since then. Isn't that crazy? So that can't be why they don't want people to hear it. Why is it? Well, three hours of a Tucker Carlson documentary can basically destroy 10 months of their continuous, incessant propaganda. That's why they're afraid of it. All of us know the truth about that day at this point. Most of us knew it right away. You can watch the coverage that day and see, hey, something's not right about this. In fact, I came on and did a really short episode that afternoon because I was still trying to figure out what it was I was watching. And I said, something about this does not seem right. What we're being shown right now, this does not seem right because it's out of character for the people in our movement. All right. This has always been about nonviolence. The whole reason that this is all happening and that we are all doing all of this is to make sure that the country doesn't descend into violence and civil war over the election being stolen by the communists. Organized political violence simply is not in our nature. No one wants that. That's the point. The media is about to be completely exposed in the mainstream. And the hilarious thing is that they are all playing his trailer so that they can scare the hell out of the child brains in their audience. But all they're really doing is promoting his documentary. So, hey, have at it, Anderson Cooper. Keep going. Please get more eyes on that documentary and watch as your public reputation disintegrates. And it's funny, speaking of false flags, the Democrats just staged another one today. They found five white people, actually four white people and a black guy to get dressed in white button down shirts and khakis and take tiki torches out and pretend to support Glenn Youngkin so that they can put those pictures up on Twitter and Instagram and get a bunch of rock dumb communists to believe that Glenn Youngkin is some sort of white supremacist. Mind you, Ralph Northam, the current governor of Virginia, is in a picture that he chose to put on his own yearbook page that shows two men, one of them in blackface, the other one in full clan regalia, and he doesn't remember which one he is. There is no way you would forget putting on blackface next to a person in clan regalia. And there is definitely no way you would ever forget putting on clan regalia. So he's lying no matter which one in the picture he is. That's who the actual Democrat governor of Virginia is right now. And they have stuck by him for years. Also, the man pretending to be president, Joe Biden, was mentored by Robert Byrd, a former Grand Cleagle and exalted Cyclops in the Klan. Okay? So if you want to know which party supports white supremacists, it's the same party it's always been. 
And not coincidentally, it's the same party that is closing restaurants and hospitals and work to anyone who's unvaccinated. And as it turns out in New York City, for example, it's about 75% of the black community unvaccinated. So they have just created a new racial segregation, but it's based on health status, a randomly chosen bit of health status, by the way. But this is what they have to go for when they have nothing else. There's no other way they're going to be able to attack Glenn Youngkin at this point because the Democrat Communist Party is an absolute disgrace, including Terry McAuliffe in Virginia. Virginia is about as bad as it gets right now. And there's actually an article from this morning in uh, Becker News regarding a series of events in August of this year. The letter and the response were just released, and so he posted them up. The superintendent of the Loudoun County School District, Scott Ziegler, wrote to the sheriff to try to get help at a school board meeting. This is in August, remember. Sheriff Chapman, I want to reiterate the LCPS request for law enforcement support at the August 10th and 11th school board meeting as outlined below by Director of Safety and Security John Clark. While Major McDonald indicates that substantial resources will be prepared to respond, we cannot assure the safety of all participants without a coordinated plan involving on-site assets, specifically LCPS requests. Three LCSO deputies, that's, I guess, Loudoun County Sheriff's Office, inside the admin building. One LCSO, LCFR canine explosive sweep. LCSO five-person quick reaction force on site at the admin building. Undercover LCSO deputies in public assembly area at admin building. LCSO CDU team stood up and on standby at nearby location. LCSO special operations team on standby at nearby location, joint command post, on-site commander for unified decision-making, and a joint briefing on the security plan. Thank you. That's his words to the sheriff's office asking for all of that to keep them safe at a school board meeting. And the sheriff responded, and I'm just going to read part of his letter here. Sheriff Chapman offered this summary of the LCSO plan for August 10th and 11th. No uniformed officers inside the building. No administrative building campus law enforcement presence. LCSO officers will be in the area for quick response if something happens and they are called to respond. During the conversation, Sheriff Chapman made a number of points as justification and or rationale for their decision not to provide the requested support for the meeting. I have provided bulleted paraphrase statements, which occurred randomly throughout the conversation. School board unilaterally decided to limit public comment. School board unilaterally decided to hire security firm with metal detector. School board unilaterally devised a security plan. School board made all these decisions without consultation with LCSO. Six of nine school board members brought this to bear by creating anti-racist groups on social media. LCSO has been made to appear as the muscle for school board and work at the school board's direction. 
After June 22nd, LCSO and Sheriff Chapman received national criticism for being the bad guy at the meeting being blamed for what took place. He stated that some of the comments included death threats. He continued to say that he, Chapman, received all of the criticism and that the superintendent and school board took none of the pushback from the community or the national arena. And he went on. And Kyle Becker comments, the sheriff then summarily rejected the Loudoun County School Board's extraordinary security request. The infamous school board meeting on June 22nd that Sheriff Chapman refers to is one where a parent was arrested and removed from a meeting per the request of a school board. The school board was unwilling to take the heat over the potential curriculum inclusion of CRT. And what you have right there is the bones of a false flag. All right. The school board is not under threat. The school board wants there to appear to be a threat from concerned parents because they can paint them as Trump supporters and then they can paint them as people who are staging their own mini insurrection at the school board. It's not that they care about what's happening with their kids. It's that they're trying to tell the big lie (laughs) or create racial division. And so as soon as you get all these officers to attend the meeting, then it looks like something dangerous might happen. And it intimidates the parents from saying what they need to say. And in terms of national media, if you have a bomb sweep before a school board meeting and the news reports on that, then that sounds like there must be a serious threat. This is how they create a narrative where none exists. This is how they exert power. This is how they trick the public into being on their side. Anybody who sees on Rachel Maddow or something that the sheriff had to come sweep the building for potential explosives is going to think, wow, those parents really are domestic terrorists. This is how this stuff gets built up. And it's all bullshit. And finally, before I go, before everyone goes out this weekend and puts on an outfit so that they can pretend to be somebody else, that's pretty old school. You got to get into the new thing. The new thing is creating an entirely fake world around you so that you think everything is great, even as your life gets much, much worse. And of course, that comes to you all courtesy of one of the richest men on earth, who has garnered all his wealth by working with intelligence agencies to steal all of your data and know absolutely everything about you to the point where they can manipulate your mood and behavior throughout the day. And he also put half a billion dollars towards stealing an election. And of course, I'm talking about Mark Zuckerberg. Yesterday, he released a video for the new metaverse as brought to you by Facebook. Oh, now they're called Meta. So let's start by exploring what different kinds of metaverse experiences could feel like, starting with the most important experience of all, connecting with people. Imagine you put on your glasses or headset and you're instantly in your home space. It has parts of your physical home recreated virtually, it has things that are only possible virtually, and it has an incredibly inspiring view of whatever you find most beautiful. Hey, are you coming? Yeah, just gotta find something to wear. 
All right, perfect. Oh, hey, Mark. Hey, what's going on? Hi, Hi Mark. What's up, Mark? Whoa, we're floating in space? So I guess in some way you have to congratulate Mark Zuckerberg for figuring out something that could possibly be more creepy than his hairline or his interactions with his wife. And he has done it by creating a fake world around you, or at least that's what it looks like on the screen. Now, people are justifiably creeped out by this, obviously, but I'm noticing something that I haven't heard anybody else talk about. And maybe you'll be with me, maybe not. But I think that the creepiest part of this deranged ad is when he says home space and not home. Okay. He didn't say that you can recreate your home. He said you can recreate your home space. Listen again. You put on your glasses or headset and you're instantly in your home space. It has parts of your physical home recreated virtually. It has things that are. You got that? So it's not your home. It has parts of your home, but it's, it's your home space. It's like a heightened version of being home. And if you are at all in tune with human nature, you might suspect, well, people aren't going to want to live just in their normal home. Why wouldn't they want to live in a much, much nicer home? And I am sure that if you get enough credits, you might be able to live in a really, really nice home in the metaverse. Your home in the real world is going to be absolutely atrocious to the point where you would never want to be there, not for a single second. But thanks to Mark Zuckerberg, you won't ever have to realize you're there. You can just lay down in a tiny coffin-like bed and you can hook up a few things that will keep you alive and rid you of your waste products and send some nutrition in for you. But for all you know, you will be in your home space and you can wear whatever you want. You can travel wherever you want. You can see whatever people you want. And if those people want to look like a robot instead of a person, that's all good. You thought men could just change into women and women into men and whoever into a sparkle gender. No, your thinking is too limited. You can be anything you want. You want to be a cow? Wonderful. You want to be Harambe? You can do all of that in your home space. Reality will still be you in a coffin-like container with tubes attached to you. But that is not going to look like the Matrix at all. I'll be back on Monday at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic and Joe Biden will never be president. Goodbye. Whether you're a total newbie to podcasting, or even if you've had a show before like me, you know how intimidating it can be to start your show. The tech side especially can be daunting. That's why I'm so grateful Anchor exists. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. They knock down all the barriers to entry. Let me explain. First off, it's free. I don't know how or why, but I'm happy about it. The platform's great. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. 
Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. I can't even begin to describe how much easier it was to get my show on all the major platforms this time than it was a few years ago. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. That's right. You build your show, you make money. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place, and the company is committed to the success of its content creators. Go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Thanks for listening. Follow the podcast on the Telegram Messenger app at t.me slash I'm your moderator. You can join the discussion at t.me slash I'm reasonable. I'm also on Gab and Getter at I'm your moderator. The Substack is I'm your moderator.substack.com and the merch site is cancelcouture.com. You can also go direct to that at shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. I'll see you next time out on the range. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'mYourModerator.Substack.com. The merch site is CancelCouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofi. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range.